Anarchism is not bombs, disorder, or chaos. It is not robbery or murder. It is not a war of each against all. Anarchism is the very opposite of all that. Find out for yourself. Tune into Subversion 1312. Live, Tuesdays 9 to 10 p.m. on 4ZZZ 102.1 FM or streaming 4ZZZ.org.au. Podcasts and related content available at subversion1312.org and channel0network.com. Conclusion? We stand for anarchy, anti-capitalism, anti-racism, anti-authoritarianism, internationalism, autonomy, direct democracy, ecology, self-organization, solidarity, anti-fascism, anti-neoliberalism, anti-nationalism, atheism, equality, and freedom. Making friends in the valley I was sinking titties with Sally But by eight she was in a drunken stupor She pissed in my purse and stole my Uber You can eat a bag of dicks, my friend You can eat a bag of dicks I guess I'm just grateful she didn't shit You can eat a bag of dicks Met a gold coast boy named Jacob We went back to his and got naked He stared at my pubes and looked real stressed I said, should I go? He said, probably best You can eat a bag of dicks, Jacob You can eat a bag of dicks I won't be touching your hairless prick And you can eat a bag of dicks Went to the clinic to get an abortion An old man outside gave me caution He said, cause it's evil what you pursue That fetus has more right to life than you do You can eat a bag of dicks, old man You can eat a bag of dicks You're an ignorant lunatic And you can eat a bag of dicks Parking inspector, bag of dicks Pauline Hanson, bag of dicks YouTube, bag of dicks, eat a whole fucking bag of dicks. Good evening, welcome to Subversion 1312, the 4 Z Anarchy show. Tonight on the show I have got the members of Vomit Cabaret here. Hi. Hey guys, how you doing? Good evening. <laughs> got Joanna Collins here as always. Hey dudes and dudesses, how are we doing? Doing alright? Mm-hmm. Sam, Lil... And Bernadette are here, and we're having a bit of a twist on it's Christmas. It's the real story of Christmas. Yeah. The real story of Christmas. Claude's here as well. He's he cool. is the, the anarchy wonder dog. Aren't you beautiful, bad boy? He's going to be providing entertainment throughout the show. You, you just heard a song from the Gutterbirds, and it was called Bag of Dicks, and I just like to make a comment on the Prime Minister going to Hawaii. How very thoughtful. You can eat a bag a of dicks. He's gone to a place with lots of water and there are people out there who are needing water to put outside. My, my, my. Yes, so... I hope that uh, he does some analysis of the uh, volcano over in Hawaii because the tsunami could come and get us over in Australia if the if the bit of Hawaii falls yes, off into the ocean. Oh, well, I was just hoping that there, there would be a volcanic 
explode <laughs> eruption. It might be what's best for the many. <laughs> Won't be best for Scomo. Yeah. So, also, I read this week that the New South Wales Premier said she she gave some advice to the fire brigade, the Royal Fire Brigade, who have been fighting these huge fires in New South Wales, out of control, 70 feet flames, out of control, and she said that they should conserve water and they should be careful to conserve water wherever possible. The woman needs to be thrown into the volcano as well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> satire. We're talking satire, of course. Well, of course, of course. I think we should be sending them some water, but a good way of doing it would be to practice um, a little bit of uh, climate uh, control by um, ending the use of fossil fuels in what? Australia. There's or lo- praying. The, yeah. Or praying. <laughs> hell of a lot. Thank you, Sam. There's, uh, there's lots of mines in New South Wales which would take a lot of water. And also there's farms in New South Wales which are taking... would, would be taking lots of water as well so maybe instead of telling the firefighters not to be doing that maybe she should be telling the big mines and cotton farms farms is another thing isn't it yeah cotton farms yeah mines and industry to like be careful with their water and let the and let the fucking firefighters use the water and you're fighting this huge fire you're not going to worry about leaving the tap on Yes, well, there's shades of what happened in Brazil, uh, where the the government of Brazil was accused of negligence for not managing uh, the fires of the Amazonian rainforest. And it seems to be a repeat. We're going through our uh, Brazilian experience because we're losing uh, forest and rainforest that it's going to take hundreds of years to regrow. If, if it happens at all. Well, we're going to go to a song and then come back and do our Christmas play. <laughs> we certainly are. The uh, It's the anti, anti-Christ, anti-Christmas play. We might not be able to do this play if the um, religious discrimination bill goes through. Uh-oh, yeah. We better do it quickly then. I was just a kid when I knew ya We were pretty close but we grew apart And it was always good when I'm running to ya You know you always had a special place in my heart Yeah, I get nostalgic when I think about it Yeah, we lost touch Still raw, I don't wanna face it all cause it's too much Always put it off We can talk about it one day Didn't realize how easy time was
take us Always down to go astray Always let you lead the way Then you went a step too far Can't slow down when you move so fast And I'm slamming on the brakes so hard But you got no chill Mojo Juju and Dualistics and and Blowback. That's a new one coming out from them. Dualistics was in TZU. I'm a big fan of of them. You are on the Aniki Show Subversion 1312 Uh and Vomit Cabaret are here and we've got a 
play to do, and it's called The Truth About Christmas. The True Story of Christmas. It's true the story True Christmas. Story of Christmas. Yeah. Whenever, whenever we... Forget what you read in the Bible. This is the true yeah, story. Listen up. And whenever we delve into the theatrical works of Bernadette Lagoulon, we're delving into landscapes and stories informed by her lived experience. So you need a content warning. <laughs> whenever we do that, we need a content warning. All right. There'll be words well, like... Being brought up in a Catholic school, I spent many, many hours in my youth contemplating how the virgin birth actually occurred and... I heard many different theories. I certainly didn't believe the one about um, uh, asexual reproduction. And uh, I didn't believe the one about artificial insemination. Being a (laughs) rational person, I thought, no, the father of Jesus must have been a real human being. Three kings arrive on three camels. One is from Syria, one is from Persia, the other from Greece. They do a dance routine and sing whilst prancing around on their camels, trying to vicariously hold their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Sounds like the Terminus on Sunday. (laughs) (laughs) I've been thinking about what sort of story we should be telling the people to help them transition from the age of Aries into the age of Pisces. Yes, I've been thinking about that a lot myself. So what idea have you come up with? Well, we had the Lion King story for the age of Leo. And over 2,000 years, that mutated into the Egyptian Sphinx. And then we had the Adam and Eve story of the age of Gemini, and that mutated into original sin. Excuse me, you forgot the age of Cancer. Well, that was the Noah story and the Great Flood. And remember when we transitioned from the age of Taurus into the age of Aries, the Jews banned the worship of the golden calf. A particularly nasty transition that one was. They murdered all the priestesses and tore down their temples. And Zeus replaced all the water goddesses. Can't you remember what happened in the age of Orphicius? We were just recovering from the glacial ice ages when we worshipped the giant dragon and the sky blew up creating three whole new star signs, Scorpio, Libra and Borgo. That's going back too far. You'll just confuse the audience. We're trying to come up with a new theme for the age of Pisces. I've got it. He holds up his finger. Pisces is about fish. Let's create a story about a big fisherman. I kind of like that, but that's been done before. We've got to relate it to the current platonic year. I've got it, I've got it. In the age of Aries was about male ascendancy. Let's add a bit of human sacrifice from the age of Taurus and make it about male sacrifice. Men can still run the world, but they'll have to suffer for it. That could mean lots of wars. Well, it's the dreariest dip in the cycle. Okay, if someone has to suffer, then it better be men. Women already suffer enough in childbirth. Great. You're thinking about it, are you, King? Well, we could sacrifice the big fisherman to atone for all our sins. He could be like the good shepherd from the age of Aries, but also a kind shepherd who looks for lost sheep. Good. 
we can bring in the age of Gemini thing with big fishermen uh, turning for our original sense. And we could throw in a bit of the Egyptian Osiris Horus God in heaven and God on earth for the Leo King thing. Mm, I like the age of Virgo and the age of Scorpio, so we could have a virgin give birth to a child. That's the kind of virginity and reproduction at the same time but we need to put some age of libra on it oh well what about the leo king of glory arrives at the end of the age to set everything right and create a big apocalypse since the sacrifice of the taurian god will have to happen at the beginning of the age well that still leaves us with nothing from the age of cancer flood thing Don't worry about any great floods. We'll have plenty of them in the age of Aquarius, so just leave it until then. I think we've come together with a brilliant story for the age of Pisces. Only one problem. We need to find a child, a special child, a child born of a miraculous virgin, a child born under the lucky but unlucky star. Act 1, Nazareth. It was a long time ago in the town of Nazareth that a young virgin named Mary was betrothed to a carpenter named Joseph. Mary was a virgin, which, which was Hebrew for young woman, and she had never known a man. Things, things were looking good for Mary of the tribe of Levi. Her cousin Elizabeth was married to the Jewish high priest, and she herself was of the line of King David. And in not been... Had it not been for the Roman occupation, she might not have been marrying a Benjamite Benjamite carpenter, but a prince. Mary always had the feeling that she had been chosen for a special purpose. She was destined to be the mother of the Messiah. This is the story of her miraculous virgin birth. Mary, I want you to attend to the spinning and weaving. I want your wedding gown to be the most superb. Surely, my betrothed, thine will is mine. So everything went quite calmly and simply. Until that fateful day, the Roman legion was in town. Our name is Legion and we are many and we've just arrived in town. Where are the women? Look up at the stars and what do you see? I see a full moon, but what does that mean? It means that all of our women are having their period. Fucking hell. They're not available (laughs) to you, so piss off. Fucking hell. I hope you find some prostitutes in Jerusalem. Don't you be insolent to me, sir, or I'll string you up on a crucifix. Cross. I don't think so. I am a carpenter. If you do so, all the other carpenters will go on strike. I am number one crucifix producer. You Romans need me. Very well then, you insolent handyman. We can't have our crucifixes any less than A grade, but what about your wife? I am not married yet, but when I do, my son will be the greatest crucifix producer of all time. Not married yet? (laughs) I better make sure that I get to whoever you're betrothed to first. To the audience, as if Joseph cannot hear them, and then to Joseph... Crucifixion, my dear Jewish sir, is a Roman art. And you Romans will be buying my son's crucifixes by the millions. Just wait and see. He sticks his finger in the air defiantly. Exit Joseph, enter Mary. And so it was foretold that Joseph's future son would be the greatest crucifix producer of all time. 
Meanwhile, Mary, unaware of this altercation between Joseph and the Roman soldier, was busying herself in the cornfields. Hello, baby. Who are you? I am Mary of Nazareth. Interesting name. In Latin, Mary means the sea. How about getting lost in a sea of passion with me, your hot Latino lover? He moves towards her. Oh, yes. You're a virgin who's never known a man. That is true. And you're a young woman. You're going to need to get to know a man sooner or later. Do you have a boyfriend? Oh, yes. I am betrothed (laughs) to Joseph the carpenter in Nazareth. Joe, Joseph, hey, the crucifix producer. He makes crucifixes for Romans. Come on, baby, isn't he a little bit old for you? He's the only available single man in town. Mary, you know you could do better than that. Wouldn't you prefer to spend your life being worshipped sexually by a Roman rather than just spinning and weaving? But I could never go with a Roman man. They're not circumcised. Their foreskins must be stinky and cheesy. Not this Roman soldier. What do you mean? Have a look at my foreskin. (laughs) Look, I've been dutifully circumcised. I used to be Jewish before I was captured and converted to Roman Catholicism. What's Roman Catholicism? (laughs) It's the ideology of the New World Order that everyone can be a Roman, regardless of race, gender, age or wealth. Cool. Sounds really cool. I could go places with that ideology. He starts to embrace her. Yes, Mary, the Queen of my heaven. With me, I'll make you Queen of all the Romans. So what's your name? Tiberius Pantera, the Roman Panther. (laughs) He lunges at her in a passionate, carnal embrace. Mary falls into a swoon, and the soldier begins to sneak off stage on tiptoes. Joseph, who spied them reclining together, he's actually been hiding backstage and has seen the whole thing. <laughs> I'm going to get that bastard. We're going to have a break. <laughs> he runs after him. Let, let, do you want <laughs> to go to a... manages to elude him by exiting uh, backstage. Me. We're going to a break? We're going to have a song. We'll Thank pick you. That up. This is a new song from some... Artists from Tel Aviv, Nabi and Maggie Hikri, and it's called Sim Arak. Sounds cool. The same look, 
Just to be safe, we're going to deliver another content warning because we are exploring the theatrical works of Bernadette Lagoulon. That's right. Joseph runs after him, but Pantera manages to elude him by exiting backstage. He turns and moves back to Mary, who's cringing in a disheveled state. Mary, our engagement is over and I am going to charge you with adultery. You know what that means. Get out of Nazareth immediately or I will have you stoned to death. Tiberius Pantera was only referred to once as the human father of Jesus of Nazareth in Christian literature. The early church, Father Origen, argues vehemently that Tiberius Pantera never exercised his lust upon Mary. Many theologians argue that Origen is not a credible source since he was so opposed to lust that he castrated himself in a whipped-up religious fury There is more contemporary historical evidence for the existence of Tiberius Julius Abedes Pantera from Sidian than for his son Yeshua ben Yosef, otherwise known as Jesus Christ. Pantera's gravesite still exists in Germany, along with his Roman military records. Tiberius Pantera, a Jewish slave who has emancipated himself by joining the Roman army, served in Judea around 6 BCE. He, so, he was in the right place at the right time, but as any historian will tell you, that proves nothing. But he is argued to be the real-life father of Jesus, according to the Talmud. Act 2, Zachariah. Mary awakes in a disheveled state. She picks herself up and smooths her clothing him. Clothing? And begins to walk around. <laughs> oh, God. 
putting her finger to her head in contemplation. <laughs> Counting on her fingers, muttering to herself in deep thought. Mary went to visit her cousin Elizabeth, and according to scripture, Elizabeth's husband Zechariah the high priest was also being accused of being the father of Jesus by the f- fanatical cult leader Reverend Moon. The Talmud vehemently denies this. Enter Zachariah. Zachariah, I have a problem. Yes, my dear, and what is that? Well, you know how you're supposed to publicly inspect my hymen and declare me a virgin? Yes, my child. What's the problem with that? It would resolve those ridiculous accusations of adultery thrown around by Joseph. No, it won't. There's a rumour going around that I was seduced by a Roman soldier who promised to make me the Queen of Heaven. (laughs) Bloody Mary. Oh, you didn't fall for that one, did you? I I always thought I was destined for great things. She sobs in his arms. (laughs) There, there, Mary. I'll help you make it better. But how can you do that? That would be a miracle. Well, you know how we rabbis do circumcisions? Yes. Oh, yes. Well, you can circumcise my firstborn son. Well, we have a side business, uh, which we don't talk about much. Oh, and what's that? Hymen reconstruction. (laughs) Hymen reconstruction? What a brilliant idea. Let's do it straight away. Lifts up her skirt <laughs> and begins the hymen reconstruction. Just a little stretch there and a couple of stitches there and you'll be right as rain. Ouch, this is a little bit uncomfortable. Don't worry, my dear, I'm sure I'm sterile. Joseph barges in with gusto in the middle of the procedure. Zachariah pops his head <laughs> From under Mary's skirt. Zachariah. Surprised. Mary. Angry. Well, I was going to have you stoned to death for being an adulteress, but I can see you've managed to use your womanly charms to buy off the high priest. Zachariah, do you have anything to say for yourself? Zachariah is silent. As if struck dumb, he struggles to speak, but no words come out. It's not what you think. Joseph storms off in a fit of rage. She turns to Zachariah. Thank you for keeping your mouth shut about all this. Don't say anything until the circumcision. Act 3, The Annunciation. Mary is seen pacing again and counting her fingers. She looks like she has trekked a very long way. Mary successfully passed her public hymen examination and therefore was not stoned to death. Thanks to Zachariah... But she now had a new problem. Her period had not arrived for a number of months now, so she was pretty well sure that she was pregnant. So thus pondered upon her new problem. Since she now had an intact hymen, how could a virgin give birth to a child? That would be a miracle. She didn't want to bother Zachariah again because she had already put him in a compromising position in front of Joseph. He had also become completely mute and refused to talk to anybody, so Mary was forced to embark on a journey to the mysterious monastery in the clouds situated on Mount Zion. 
there she met the angel Gabriel, yet another helpful friend along the way, mm-hmm. who was also accused of being the baby's father. Mm-hmm. Christian theology clearly Dada. states that the angel, Gab- angel Gabriel was but a messenger from on high, and Mary told him everything. How can a virgin give birth to a child? Oh, Mary, through God, all things are possible. But please, Angel Gabriel, this is no time for theology. This is a technical issue. Fear not, O Mary, ever virgin. I have the solution. You do? Oh, Mary, I am an angel. Miraculous things will come unto you. I am but the lowly handmaid of the Lord, but but this bodgy hymen made up for me by Zechariah is a tad uncomfortable. It presses on my vulva when I am with child. Fear not, O oh miraculous virgin. <laughs> I have the solution. One tiny little prick and the angel Gabriel lifts up her skirt, and as he does so, Joseph rushes onto the stage, but the angel has mysteriously vanished. Mary, Mary, thank God I've found you. A mysterious angel appeared to me in a dream. He told me I was lonely, and that you were the only available woman in Nazareth that I wasn't related to. He also told me I was an old man, and to wise up that there is more to choosing a woman than just virginity. Look at you, Mary. You've proven to me that you're capable of bearing a child. I'm glad you've reconsidered because I think I'm going into labour. You mean right now? I'll just rest here under this coconut tree and you run up the hill and see if you can find that angel that I was just talking to what a moment ago. What do you expect ago. me to do? I'm a lowly carpenter. Joseph runs off stage as the angel Gabriel reappears from his hiding place. There, there, Mary. It's going to be all right. He pulls out the baby from under her skirt. Lo, behold, a miracle unto the heavens. See, I told you to trust me. It is possible for a virgin to give birth to a child. Indeed, Joseph reappears with a Roman soldier. He hands Joseph the baby. Ah, what a beautiful baby. I am bonding with it already. There, Daddy's going to make you into the greatest crucifix maker of all time. Is that all you were going to say? Look what the angel has done for me. It's been a heavenly annunciation. Well, I did bring back this Roman soldier. He says he's found a comfy barn for us to stay in with a cute little manger for the baby. I remember him. That's Tiberius Pantera. Well, what do you have to say for yourself? He says accusingly. Yes. Hail, Queen of Heaven. I can see already you are truly blessed. I think I'd better stick around until the three wise men get th- get here. This is out of my realm of expertise. Thank goodness the age of patriarchy is almost over. I'm sick of all these selfish, ungrateful men from the age of Aries. That fantastic Star of David constellation should be positioned right over Bethlehem so it won't be hard for them to find the barn and manger. Finale, Gabriel appears before them in front of a coconut tree. Behold, yonder, a miraculous child has been born to the Virgin. 
he will be the king of the age. Well, the rest of the story is in the Bible. But we have but one more story to tell. After the birth, the angel Gabriel restored Mary's hymen, which meant she remained ever virgin, which was okay for her because she didn't like Joseph anyway. At the end of her life, she received the ascension ascension 2,000 years early and lived happily ever after with her soulmate, the angel Gabriel. While she was worshipped on earth by devout followers of her ways, for the rest of the Piscean Age, she truly became the Queen of Heaven. The cast and crew sing the nun's song. I will follow him. Finn. Oh my god. Fantastic, and you can get along to Vomit Cabaret on Thursday night at the East Brisbane Bowls Club, which is the last Vomit Cabaret for the year. And come on, dudes and dudesses, get out there and come and see us. Come and see us do our stuff. There will be camels. There'll be camels. It's a it's a retrospective um, to some extent. Uh, I'm not sure who's going to come, but we have Cafeteria. That's Rebecca Hoddick, um, Louis Bedette. Uh, famous, infamous iconoclast. Yes, you sound like Louis Bidet. Um Hopefully, pedophile flowchart might. Oh, did I say that right? Pedophile flowchart. Best name ever. Um, really gentle folk music. So he might come too. Okay, fantastic. I'm going to play a song now, and then I've got a piece that Peter came over today and recorded so we'll play that and it'll take us out to the end of the show looking forward to that this is Execution by Shahin Najafi تکرار روز مهر روز با تو تا تیشه این شب مسخر یکی یک پای میدیدیم و میگفتیم پدر پدر ولی وقتی تا وقت زنده است پدر بعد مادر موند و لباسا گرک مرد و من توی گل گرگ و تو کچه ها گم سهم داداش از دنیامون اعتیاد بود همه تو سختی بودیم واسه اون زیاد بود بس نبود واسه یه لغمه نون تو سری خوردن همه چی رفت جز آب رو که اونم بردن کسی خارم زنده بودم این بود مسئله که شاید این زندگی ورق بخوره به جای برسم دیگه عرق نزوره از پیشونی و شرمی که تو چشامه ولی کی میدونه ساخر آقابت ادامه که صدا به داد ما نرسیده خفه شد قانون یه خیابونه که یه طرف شد هرچی جرممه بگو عبسشو میکشم من هرچی میکشم همی اجتماع میکشم وقتی رعی میخن کسایی مثل امزال منو با یه کلو بره میخرن و میندازن جلو زندگیم و تمام لحظه ها 
منم و بغزام و عشقام و درد تنهایی منم و حس بی کسی و از غم پر پر شدم این یه حقیقت تلخی که دارم از با در من بالا دارم چون کسی منو نفهمیدی همه چشم بود ولی کسی منو ندید من نمادگی ملت روبن هتاتم وقتی مرگ میشه جریمه انزباد بالا دارت فرصتی واسه نسیت نی ما که میریم اما تو میمونی نسیت نی ما که داریم میریم فقط تو رو جون مولا اون بچه رو نیار واسه یه تماشا نظر از الان ذهنش درگیر داشه نظر این سحنه رو مغزی سواشه اونم فردا که فشار بش بیاد اونم وقتی بزرگ شد و حدشو بخواد اونم وقتی عصبی شد از بدی اوزا دور میشه منطقش توی اجتماع اونم میگه چون همه بدن اونم بد میشه توی کنکور بد زندگی رد میشه ما بد بودیم شما اما بدتر بود یه جنبی میزند زمین خیلی زود دودوم ما که یه جوری داریم میریم فنا اون بالا یا خوشحال ترم میشن دادم ما که رفتیم اما تو یکی مثل من نباش چیزی رو بذار زمین قلم بردار بجاش حالا منم اونجا و چشای تو تنابه داد بکش سندلی رو از زیر پام سرکا مثل جون کندن زندگیم و تمام لحظه ها منم و بغزام و عشقام و درد تنهایم منم و حس بی کسی از غم پر پر شدم یه حقیقت تلخی که دارم از با در and also featuring Majid Kaze and I thought that went well after mixed in well after that play because maybe someone would have got executed well actually in the end someone did get executed apparently I corpsed a few times trying yes. to read it yeah. oh well <laughs> I think Je- Je- Jesus uh, was executed well saving that one wow. for, for Easter oh okay yeah. alright yeah oh, did I oh, ruin the surprise that's okay <laughs> nothing could ruin that surprise <laughs> So I just wanted to mention that a woman in Iran was hanged on the 4th of December uh, for for murdering someone and according to her relatives she committed the murder in defense against rape and she's the 98th woman to be hanged during Rouhani's tenure as president which is since 2012, 2011. 2012 and this year as we heard when I debated Gerald Keeney about whether Australia or Iran was a worse place to live in terms of civil liberties that Iran has executed well, like over over 100 people already this year actually when I say already this year I guess the year is about to finish but seems like a low number almost for Iran yes Yes, maybe I mean 300. Because in one year, in 2015, it was over a 1,000 people. So, yes. Today, Peter came over and he went to a an Extinction Rebellion event, 
last week. So he is uh, doing a talk, and that's going to be about it for us. So uh, we will bid you farewell, and we'll be back next week. Today, tonight is a penultimate show for 2019. Next week we'll we'll be on Christmas Eve, so-called Christmas Eve. Happy solstice, everyone. Saturnalia. And we'll be uh, we'll be back at nine o'clock next week. Get along to the Vomit Cabaret, which is happening at the East Brisbane Bulls Club on Thursday night. It's free, and you can do whatever you want. Much joy to all. Yes. Alright, friends, it's Peter Kropotkin here. Yay, and I, I just want to say, I've finally been to an Extinction Rebellion event. I've been sort of trying, sort of half-heartedly, and then I did on the 13th of December, Friday the 13th. I heard that they were going to block the go-between bridge, which, if anyone knows, it's a toll bridge, people, and it's very heavily used, so it would have been, oh, it would have been, you know, something... But then, when I got there, they didn't think they had the numbers to actually block the bridge. There was about 100 people or so, but they, for some reason, thought that wasn't enough. So, now, um, there was no permit. There was no permit issued for, for this, uh, this protest. Uh, and so, you know, that's, that's a bit radical, isn't it? That's a bit out there. Uh, and uh, so there was a lot of milling around, and, and all, you know, there was an Indigenous speaker, which is, is good to see. Uh, but uh, w- what happened was we sort of just, uh, people decided that there would be a slow bike ride because there was quite a few cyclists there through the city first. Now I don't know if that was an intentionally you know a distractive tactic or whatever. But Jonathan Surrey, the councillor there, he took off on his bike and uh, about twenty of us were going along with him. I mean, someone's got to go first, Linda, and so. <laughs> He did, so he rode, we rode across the Victoria Bridge and then wherever around through the city and we were going slow through the traffic and copping a little bit of abuse and then we got to the Grey Street Bridge and our councillor, our legal, uh, you know, legally elected representative or some people went up and spoke to the police and and they told us they could, we could ride on the footpath so we, we rode on the footpath. And uh, by the time we got halfway there, the other people, about, you know, well, about 80 people had marched onto the Grey Street Bridge and were occupying it. And, you know, oh, there was lots of police. Yes, there were lots of police everywhere blocking the street so the protesters could block the bridge. And they stayed there about, for about an hour and a half. And uh, there were no arrests. So, so well, that's a good thing. Uh, uh, so, you know, there was no, uh, no problem with jail support, which I, I think uh, concerns Linda, and rightly so. Uh, so, anyway, yeah. Oh, there was also there was an actual firefighter there, Linda, in, in his very, in his very uh, soot-stained uniform, and he got quite a bit of coverage. So that was... You know, that was quite good because, you know, he'd come in from some rural, regional area where they'd been battling the fires, as they are, and, uh, yeah, he got quite a bit of coverage. And then, then they started playing cricket on the bridge, and uh, I have to say that I, um, I, I lost a bit of interest. Uh, but all of this, of course, reminded me that uh, these tactics, uh, uh, well, this thing, this, you know, blocking streets and bridges and that... It's been done before. Uh, if uh, people would remember the uh, reclaim the street things that happened back in the noughties, uh, uh, the, probably the high point was when we blocked the Victoria Bridge in 2003. 
for several hours on a Sunday. But, uh, you know, and also the um, critical mass bike rides, which went for years. You know, they, they would go in a, on a Friday into the city and just ride around slowly. But both these things, which had, of course, you know, significant anarchist input, were not designed to call on the government to do something, which, of course, Extinction Rebellion is. Extinction Rebellion is calling on the government to take, to, to declare a climate emergency, to do, to do something. Well, in Reclaim the Street and, and Critical Mass, we weren't doing that. We weren't calling on the government to do something. We were just reclaiming the street. We were just saying, we are the people in the street, therefore... We are in the street. We are reclaiming this place. We are taking control of it. Yes, of course, temporarily. The term temp- temporary autonomous zone was bandied around and, and having a good time and, and, you know, trying to make a statement that people should be able to control their environment, their immediate environment. And But no, no, they're calling on the government to do something to save them and stuff. <laughs> You know, if you call on the government to, to, you know, declare a climate emergency, what about if the government turns around and says, OK, we will, and we will take emergency powers to deal with this situation? Now, oh, emergency powers yeah, from a government? What would that mean? Well, think about compulsory population relocations from, you know, drought, fire, flood, storm-affected areas. Think of sacrifice zones where, for the good of the human environment, humanity, extreme exploitation may be allowed. You know, like, it's already... Of course, this is all really happening okay, already, but it will be ramped up to think Think of uh, uh, putting down dissent, you know, because, oh, you're just getting in the way of the government's emergency powers. A very recent example is, of course, the Yellow Vest movement in France, the, the Gillette Jeune. I don't know if people remember, but that was initially caused by the government subsidising diesel fuel as some sort of alternative. It must have been for economic reasons, you know, like to, to promote growth or something. Surely it could not have been, you know, for ecological reasons because, you know, we've always known that diesel is actually dirty. So about, I don't know, five years ago, the, I don't know whether it was conservatives or socialists, they subsidised diesel, they made it cheaper. A lot of working people, you know, tradespeople, deliverers, you know, you know, owners of taxis converted to diesel. And then the, the government decided, oh, no, that was not a good idea. So they removed the subsidies on diesels and people's livelihoods were, you know, put at risk. You know, they had to pay more for fuel. And understandably, they got pissed off and they started rioting in the streets. Now, obviously, since then, it broadened out. It was a lot of, a lot of anti-austerity stuff and that. But that's a clear example of a government intervention that, you know, was actually kind of counterproductive. And, and we can, you know, it's not just about, this is not, of course, just about coal. It's not just about, even about climate change, though. In that instance, it was, a, you know, a fuel, you know, a hydrocarbon. For instance, mining. The, the, remember that remember that failing of the tailings dam in Brazil? Like, you know, it's a few years ago now. Where a tailings dam, probably through a lack of maintenance, failed. And, and a great wall of, you know, of, of muck, of, you know, toxics. Few, uh, toxic substances washed down a river stream, killing people and, um, you know, severely damaging their livelihood. 
That, that was iron. It was an iron mine, right? So, oh, you think iron's not, you know, toxic like coal or whatever? So, you know, even that sort of stuff can do it. Oh, but guess what? There's a there's a, oh, a silver lining to a dark cloud like that. In, in any catastrophe, there, there can be opportunities because it led to a spike in the price of iron ore because that company... Under, you know, oh, it couldn't. It had to cease operations while it fixed up the tailings dam, and so it, it was taken out of out of production, and it, and it reduced the amount of iron ore available on the market. So the price went up, and guess what? The Australian miners, oh yes, they made a killing. That you know, they, it's a doggy dog world out there under capitalism, people. So iron was actually you know being being mined even more in other parts of the world we were getting more money because of the suffering of those people in brazil so so the underlying thing it's pretty obvious is capitalism is is the exploitation of resources and people for profit it's not just you know it's not just you know a, a one particular thing coal or oil it's it's that whole thing uh, but on the on the bright side, we shan't we shan't be too negative. I've heard a rumor at the Extinction Rebellion that there is a move to try and get the Transport Workers Union to go slow on coal trains. Now, obviously, that won't have an overnight effect, even if it if it does come come to fruition. The slowing down of the process would would be just that. It would be just a slowing down of the production of this this stuff that you know that is. You know, creating the immediate problem, but but because it's from below up, not from you know above down, then I think it's a healthy sign if if it comes to fruition. People taking control of their of their own lives, of their own environment, and so you know that's one one positive thing to take out of this. eyes of the government we are the enemy in a world where there is no government anarchy rules this summer get ready for the most action-packed podcast we continue fighting because we hate all authority and love freedom which cannot be given but must be taken such scenes as this is not a dialogue, a crime called freedom, parties over, and many, many more. For more text and audio material of interest to anarchists, check out resonanceaudiodistro.org. Check out Subversion 1312 online. Subversion1312.org Facebook.com forward slash Sub Anarchy Show On Twitter, Anarchy underscore show
and on the 4ZZZ website for zzz.org.au. think that violence can be even even applied to the natural environment because we rely upon the natural environment for our survival. But inanimate objects, especially those that are man-made and are used to destroy life, I don't think you can be violent too. I think it's a lot of times more violent to allow them to exist. process which is known and very visible, but perhaps not acknowledged as much as it should be. It is that one where a new idea, or an old one in new form, is accepted by a minority, while the majority are shouting treason, rubbish, kook, communist, capitalist, or whatever is the term of abuse valued in that society. And they develop this idea, at first probably in secrecy or in semi-secrecy, and then more and more visibly, with more and more support, until, guess what? What? This seditious, impossible, wrong-headed idea becomes what is known as received opinion and is loved and valued by the majority. Conclusion? democracy, the ignorant and meddlesome outsiders, the general population have to be kept from interfering. 
They can be spectators, but not participants. 